Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heaven and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. Male, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Good morning, Christ community. It's good to be with you. Um, Good morning, kids. It's good to see you. And uh, before we get started, you know, as we were preparing for this series, we thought that there was going to be some questions that were going to generate with these sermons. And so if there is a question that comes up, there is a text number, I think, in the back. Yep, there's a text number there. And we go, two pastors will go on Facebook Live every Monday at 3.15. It's kind of hilarious. You should go on it because I go on it and I just laugh. But um, they go there and they answer these questions that are texted in. So please, if you do have a question, do that. Um, We won't be on this Monday because tomorrow is Labor Day, so it's a day off. But we will be back on on Tuesday at 3.15, and I'll be on there so you can laugh at me, okay? So um, please, just do that. I know that that's available. Uh, But let's pray uh, before we begin. Lord, we need you. And Lord, when we can't stand, we do fall on you. You are our hope, and you are our stay, and we just thank you. We thank you that you're with us. We thank you that you're here. And Lord, I ask that your spirit would open up our hearts um, to receive your word this morning, knowing that you do speak to us. And Lord, that we would walk out of here encouraged and strengthened. Lord, and just ready to live the lives that you've called us to live. Lord, may the words of our hearts and the meditations of our mouths be pleasing to you, O Lord, our God. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. During my time in seminary, I worked at a machinery company. I know, I know, pretty shocking, uh, but I could tell you what a grinder was, what a lathe, a hone, a drill, but you know what, I'm not going to bore you with it now, so don't worry. But every day after my classes, I would drive to Liberty Machinery and work the hours that I needed to work in order to pay the bills. But I dreaded going. I mean, I dreaded it to the point where I would sit in class and I would stare at the clock, and it wasn't hoping that the class was going to be over. No, I mean, I was that person that was staring at the clock, dreading the hour to come where I would have to leave and go in my car and go to Liberty Machinery. But why did I dread it so much? Well, it's not that I have anything against machinery. I mean, if you're a machinist, more power to you. We need you, and your work is valuable. But it's just that my skills weren't being used the way that I thought they needed to be used. And I was a sales associate, so I would have to call other machinery companies to see if they had any machinery that we can sell or that we can buy from them, and it was was torture for me. And I knew, I just knew that it wasn't what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. But I had no other option. I had to go to work. I had to survive. I had to pay the bills. I had to eat and make my way through seminary. 
And I know that maybe some of you here this morning can actually relate to that a little bit. Whether you're thinking about that job that you had, right, that you just dreaded going to, or maybe that's currently the job that you just, you do dread going. It's no longer life-giving to you. Or kids, the fact that you probably dread sometimes, right, to go to school. You see, we all at some point have experienced the weight and dread of work. And it's true that because we live in a broken and fallen world, we feel the ramifications of that brokenness in our work. I mean, work is hard. And historically, we've seen people being forced to work. We've seen people who've been excluded from the economic system or bosses being deceitful and unjust or workers being deceitful and unjust or children having no access to education. I mean, it's everywhere. And as a result, it is so easy to think of our jobs or our house chores or our school or whatever work is for you as just that, as just a job, as just another chore, as just an assignment. And two weeks ago, we started a new series, right, looking at the stories that our culture tells us. And two weeks ago, we looked at YOLO. Right? It was funny to hear Tim say that. You know, you only live once, right? Or we looked, last week we saw, be true to yourself. And what we've seen is that some of those stories are actually, have some truth to them, don't they? And you see another one, another story that our culture tells us is this, is that work is just a job. And in many ways, they're right. Work is, to some extent, just a job. But, but what if I told you that work was actually something more than that? What if, what if I told you that your school or your housework or your chores or whatever you do, what if I told you that it was more than just a job? I mean, our culture tells us that, but what if there's something more to it? Our passage this morning gives us two reasons why our work and our jobs or whatever that is for you is not just that. And the first reason is this. Our job is not just a job because God dignifies us by giving us the ability to work. Because you and I have been made in the image of God, work is not just work. I mean, if you were here last week, we learned that every single human being, no matter their race, no matter their gender, no matter their class, have been made in the image of God. And because that's true, they are valuable, they are worthy, and they are precious. And nothing and no one can ever take that away from you and I. We have been made in God's image. And because that's true, look at what God does in Genesis 1.28. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Did you catch it? After making male and female, God blesses them. 
the key word there is the first word, and. That means, the, we all learned in school that the conjunction and is joining two ideas together. Which means that God has made us in his image, and along with that, he blessed us. This means that God continues to dignify humanity, continues to call out our worth and what that means to be made in his image by giving us the privilege and the ability to be fruitful, to work. And it's funny because many like to jump to the conclusion that verse, the verse 28 is just primarily talking about having children, right? We like to always skip to the multiply part. And though, yes, that is important, and yes, that is part of it, God actually tells the male and the female to be fruitful first. He tells them to work first, to be productive first. And in the time of the Israelites, when this book was being written and spoken to, there was this other cultural narrative that was roaming around, right? This other cultural narrative that the Egyptians kind of constructed, that the gods, whoever the gods were out there, created persons just to be their servants. And that was the only thing that they were created for. Kind of like to be their robots and that's it. But God is offering a counter narrative. He's saying that because human beings are made in my image, not to be robots, but to be co-laborers, to be co-workers with him. He blesses them and grants them the privilege to work with him. Have you ever been asked to volunteer somewhere, right? We've probably all been asked that. I mean, at church, Tim just announced it right now. And or you've been asked to join a club, right, or something like that. And then you, like, show up. You've made time in your schedule. You, you made it there, and you're there ready to help. And then guess what? They don't need you. Isn't that annoying, Right? Or isn't that frustrating? Because you went and you cleared your schedule to be there. And then they get mad at you because you're just standing around and you're like, well, there's nothing else to do. What do, you, what do you expect of me, right? And it's just, why did you even ask me to come, right? But you see, God is not asking for us to be his volunteers. In fact, God doesn't need us to do anything. God doesn't need volunteers, But God continues to bring out what is true of humanity by inviting us to join him to be fruitful, to join him in his work, to fill the earth, to subdue it, to take care of it. He creates us to be partners with him in helping him in this world and others flourish. You are not on the sidelines. You are not just a volunteer that isn't used. You and I and every single person in this room is a co-laborer and a co-worker with God in ruling the world and subduing it, of taking care of it and contributing to it. This is why your job is not just a job. This is why, kids, school is not just school or house chores, just house chores, or taking care of your children, just taking care of your children, or being a boss is just being a boss, or working at Starbucks is just working at Starbucks. In your job and wherever you consider your work to be, you are living out what is true of you, that you are God's co-laborer 
God's co-worker here on earth, which is an outflow of what it means to be made in his image. It's more than just a job because God dignifies us by giving us the ability to work. But why else? Second, it's more than just a job because our work is not just about us. It's about our neighbor. Our work is not about bearing fruit for ourselves, though that is important. And though that is right and though that is holy, but it's also about sharing our fruit with our neighbor. After God tells the male and the female to be fruitful, he does say and multiply. Why? Because our work was never meant to be just about us. Adam and Eve were given the privilege to be fruitful and to work with God by taking care of the garden for the others that were to inhabit it too. It was never supposed to be just God and Adam and Eve. That wasn't the end of the story. You and I were always part of God's grand story, which means that God knew that others were going to inhabit the earth, which is why their work wasn't just about them. However, let's be clear. We are to work for ourselves. I mean, in fact, in 1 Thessalonians 4, 11 through 12, Paul does say this, but we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do this more and more and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Paul was speaking to a people who needed to know that we have been created to work because to work is part of our image bearingness. To work is part of being made in God's image. It dignifies humanity. We do have to pay the bills. We do have to eat, right? We do have to bring fulfillment to ourselves. That is true, and that is good. But work is never just about ourselves. Because in Ephesians 4.28, Paul says this, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. We work for ourselves so that we ultimately can give to others. It's a way that we love others, and we can't give to others what we don't have. I mean, for those of you who have a family, you work not only for yourself, right? But to provide for your family. And that is good, and that is holy, and that is right. And for those of you who are single in the room, I mean, you work to take care of you and provide for yourself, but also to give to your neighbor and serve the others that are around you through the work that you do. Kids, you go to school or you help around the house, not just for yourself to be educated, though that is right and important and you need to be educated, but so that through your education and when you graduate, you can contribute to society. You can bless others through it. We need each other's work because here's what's true. I can't be a mechanic and a CEO and a doctor and a paramedic 
and a sales associate, and raise your child, and do your homework, and serve food, and serve customers, and be a pastor. I can't do that. I need you. I need your job. I need your work. We need each other's work. The fruit that you produce with your work is shared with others who also get to partake of it. This is why our job is more than just a job, or why our school is more than just that. My dad, who I think there's a picture of that is coming up there, really cute. Um, my dad is one of the hardest working people I know. And there was a season of his life that was extremely difficult in regards to his job. I mean, he had to wake up every morning between the hours of 2.30 and 3.30 in the morning just to get to work on time at 7 or 8 a.m. And he took a job that was really far in the suburbs because he was desperate and needed something and had no choice. And you know what? I wish. I wish my dad was sitting here at this moment hearing someone tell him that what he was doing was valuable and meaningful and worthwhile. But you know what? Monday through Friday, he would get up, take the train to the suburbs, work a full day, get home around 6 or 7 p.m. to do it all over again the next day. But why? Why did he do that for so long? Why was he willing to do that? because he knew that he needed to provide for his family. And friends, because my dad worked a job that he didn't want or choose, because he was dedicated to providing for his family, because he knew it was more than just about him, I got to partake of his fruit. I got to see a dad who worked hard every day, and because of that, I learned what it meant to work hard. I got to witness a dad who sacrificed sleep so that his kids can have a bed to sleep on. And I get to enjoy a dad who to this day will give you the last dollar in his pocket because he swears that you need it more than he does. It would have been easy to look at my dad's work and believe what the culture says about it. That's just a job. Who cares about that? It could have been easy to think that my dad was wasting his time traveling and working the way he did, but something bigger was happening. He was bearing fruit not only for himself to enjoy, but so that his family can also enjoy. Our work is not for ourselves primarily or only. What we do in our work and how we do it matters because it always leads to the contribution of our neighbor and the contribution of society. When we think that our job is just a job, that's when we think we can do whatever we want at it, right? That's when we think we can just treat it as whatever. We can lie, we can be deceitful, we can cut corners because it's just a job, it doesn't matter. But no, it does matter. What you do and how you do it matters. So what do we do? How do we live, right, in light of the fact that God dignifies us by giving us the ability to work, but also that our work is not just about ourselves? What are the next steps? 
First, believe this story. We often believe and live the cultural story that our work, whatever that is for us, is just that. And what happens is that we end up hating our work, and we struggle with it, and we can't stand it. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes we are in workspaces and we are in workplaces that are very difficult. Where we didn't choose it, where we struggle to be happy to go to it, and that's okay. That's okay if that is your reality. But I can say that we're dignified through our ability to work or that our job is just a, more than just a job, but do you actually believe this? And if not, what if we did? What if we believe that going to school on Tuesday at 8 a.m., because tomorrow is Labor Day, right, that we are co-working with God in our world? What if we believe that going to work at 7 or 8 a.m. is co-laboring with God to contribute to our world and our neighbor? What if we believe that waking up to feed our children and taking care of them was co-laboring with God to make our world a better place? What if running your business or team of people was joining God in his mission? What for you, those of you who are retired, what if your retirement is a way in which you can contribute and co-work with God in his society, in his world? What if waking up every morning was joining God and his mission on earth to make all things new? Because that's exactly what's happening when we partake of those things. Because we are made in God's image. And that will always, always be true of us. How would you work differently? What would change for you? And second, live into this story. We need to believe this, but we also need to live it. And we live in a time where access to information and knowledge and even access to each other is very easy. And every single one of us is called to bear fruit, not only for ourselves, but for others. Because waking up and doing the work that God has called us to do is part of your spiritual formation. Who we are in the workplace is to be consistent with who we are at church, in our homes, and in our daily lives. You are always God's co-laborer. You are always God's co-worker, no matter what. Whether you're a business owner, whether you're a CEO, whether you're a stay-at-home mom or dad, whether you are a retired person, our lives are to bear fruit and consist of sharing that fruit with others. Join God in his mission here on earth by reading up on the importance of your work. I mean, today we'll have some of Tom Nelson's new book on work and economics, and get it, pick it up, read it, it's free. Learn what it means to contribute to society through your everyday work. Sign up for the Common Good Conference that Made to Flourish puts up every year to learn how our work contributes to the common good of society. Sign up for Razors so that you can continue to learn and grow and be formed in all areas of life. See each person as created in the image of God and how God has blessed them to be fruitful, how God has blessed us to work. And when the opportunity rises, give to your neighbor. If you're able, help those who are in need, who need jobs, who need our assistance in that. 
Look out for your employees. Share the fruit that you've received with others. Don't hoard it. And lastly, rest. Work isn't everything. And some of us need to hear that this morning. The beauty of being God's co-worker, co-laborer in this world is that it doesn't all fall on you. Colossians 1 tells us that everything was created in and through Jesus Christ. The fact that God allows us to join him in making all things new is a privilege. Let's not abuse it. Jesus accomplished all the necessary work that needed to be accomplished when he said, it is finished. That means it is finished, that means it was finished, and it will always be finished. So spend time with your family. Kids, give it the best you can at school and at, at doing your homework and leave it at that. Turn off your phone. Turn off your email notifications. Put the computer away and rest. Rest in the fact that God continues to make all things new with or without us. There was those who came before us and there will be those who come after us. Rest in the fact that God created this world so that you and I can enjoy it. Rest in the fact that you don't have to be the best of the best. You don't have to receive the award for the most hours worked in a week or the most emails sent in a week or the most homework done in a week, right? Or being the best CEO that ever lived or the best retired person ever in this world, right? You don't need the best mom, the best dad, the best brother, or the best sister award either. Why? Because you've been made and created in the image of God, and your worth and your value can never be taken away or added to. We already have the best that anyone could ever offer us. We are God's image bearers, God's co-laborers here on earth. And Jesus on that cross declared that it is finished. So friends, God dignifies us through giving us the ability to work. And friends, remember that our work is not just about us, but about the person sitting next to you too. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you created us in your own image after your own likeness. And the outflowing of that is being able to work. And Lord, you know that often work can be hard. It can be challenging. It can be tasking. But Lord, we rest and we thank you that you are the one who continues to run this world, that you have everything in in your control, that you are holding us in your hands. And so, Lord, I pray that we would rest in the finished work of Jesus, that we would see that our jobs, Lord, that where we go to work, what we do on our day-to-day, that it matters, that that our faithfulness to you matters in the day-to-day of life. And so, Lord, help us. Help us to be people who are not only inward but outward. 
and help us to be people who give generously and who love our neighbor well. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
every week we get to partake of the Lord's table together. And it's a tangible and physical reminder that we have been invited together as one body to partake of the Lord. And so um, we come and do it here in groups of four to six. There's a table over here and over here. Gluten-free is over here. You don't have to be a member um, in order to partake. And so let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the reminder that you have invited us to your table, that every person is welcomed, and we're reminded of the finished work of the cross, of your blood that was shed, and your body that was broken for us. And so, Lord, as we gather together to take of it, may we be reminded of the fact that you loved us so much that you gave up your life so that we can find ours. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.